Praise the Lord. God bless you. Tonight is Thursday night Bible study with Apostle Dr. Don Nickel Manning. I'm glad to be here. Let us go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you honor and glory for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that you have established for us, O oh God, to study your word, to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word, so that when others, O oh God, hear of our testament, when we hear proclaim others who are hearing and listening, we are adequate, adequate in what we are saying because we have been in your presence. We have been seeking your face and studying your word. So, Father, we just thank and praise you for how you're going to move in this moment. We ask that you bind up all distraction, all technical difficulties as your word goes forth, O oh God, so that those who have an ear to hear will be edified and uplifted in their spirit to continue to run on and do what you have called them to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I am going to talk tonight about how to avoid self-serving worship, how to avoid self-serving worship. What does that mean? We're in a culture nowadays, the time that we're living in, it's all about me. And sometimes we get into a place where we are not compassionate. We're not empathetic about others' feelings. We are, uh, we have situated ourselves to focus on our uh, on, on what we want to do, on our specific uh, goals and targets. And sometimes we get self-absorbed. And if we're not careful, we're supposed to remember as people of God, and this Bible study is directed towards those who are work, working out their soul salvation, who are walking the walk of salvation. It's important for those of us who are believers to understand that we are in the world, but we are not of it, meaning that there are certain types of stipulations that the carnal world goes by. And it's certain procedures and, and, and actions that those who are in the world, they, that's what they execute. That's how they behave. But we as believers, we have come from amongst them. We, God has pulled us out. Therefore, our actions and the way we attend to things, the way we act to things have to be in a godly spiritual fashion. So one of those things is not being a person who is self-absorbed, not being a person who is self-serving and self-serving meaning self-serving worship, meaning that they're doing things with the focus and aim just cent just centered solely on oneself. So as we come in this lifestyle or as we come into this lifestyle of salvation, we understand that we are supposed to do things where and we please God, where we help one another, where we are asset to humanity and not an upset, not, not meaning that sometimes we will cause for things to upset when we do things that are of God. Sometimes we will upset some people, but we're not upsetting someone um, for them to just be in a rage or we're not intentionally trying to hurt someone. So that's what I mean by that. But as a believer, we do upset some people because sometimes we are the thermometer that regulates the conditions of the room and the temperature of the room. And sometimes you can feel when you walk in the room, when you've been praying, when you've been seeking the face of the Father, studying that word and fasting and, 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 and praying, sometimes you walk in the room and you don't even know why people are not, they, they get a little antsy. And it's not you. It's just because you've been in the presence of the Lord. And those things that are causing for people to feel a little chilly because you done changed the the you're the thermometer and you done changed the temperature in the room or some people might feel a little hot they may feel a little bit uncomfortable and so sometimes as a believer we will upset one another or we will upset others who do not have the full understanding of, of what it means uh to have a spiritual toolkit 
But in all essence, all of that is to regulate and to bring people in to recognize and turn on the light bulb to say, I have to do something to change or I have to do something to improve or to better myself. So, yes, as believers, we do upset um, sometimes various atmosphere, but it's all with a God intention to help others to improve and move along the way. Individualism has become very prevalent. Uh, personal freedom to do what we want has replaced biblical boundaries. Some people you'll hear them say, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, I'm not hurting anybody, but are you pleasing God? Because sometimes our actions can be ungodly. We can feel like they're, we're doing good. But if you feel like you're doing good by making someone who's in a marital relationship and you feel like because I'm making them feel good, that's not godly. We're not supposed to entangle ourselves and, and fall into adultery. We're supposed to make sure that every man is his own wife and every wife is to the, their own husband. So once again, we can put ourselves in a position to say, well, I'm doing something good because I'm making somebody happy. But is it a God thing? Does it line up with the precepts and the principles of the scriptures? That's how you have to weigh and balance things out. Uh, the fixation on self has become toxic to a lot of families, churches, workplaces. Uh, this is what, as I was just talking about, that adultery, this is those types of things cause divorce. Um, in churches, when people are self-observed or, or they are self-serving worship, it can cause a division in the church. Um, a, a lot of times, you know, people pick one another uh, themselves against one another. Oh, I want to be the pastor. Oh, I want to be the chief prelate and all this and, uh, and all that stuff is all if you don't have the full understanding of how it all works together for the good, because the fivefold ministry, it's the working together of the good of those who have those assignments so that the church can be uplifted, so that the church can remain strong, so that the church, those who are part of the body of Christ can be encouraged to continue to do the work. But sometimes, once again, when people become self-absorbed because they have their own individual um, self-interest without regard to others, it can cause a split. It can cause division in families. A lot of people, oh, Lord have mercy. Somebody, uh, you know, the matriarch or the patriarch of the family, they're no longer living. And so now you got siblings against one another because, oh, my mama left you this and my daddy didn't give me that. And you have people because, once again, you're not thinking about the generations to come. See, because if we think about the children, because we're not all assigned to be here forever, and we think about the generations behind, are, are we preserving our history? Families, I'm talking about families. We keep feuding and fighting against one another because we are of self-interest instead of coming together. Are you thinking about the next generation to come? Are you thinking about your genealogical tree wherein it has been established because you have had orations and you have spoken to those who are younger in your tribe so that they know the history of your family. See, we don't understand and we, we lose grit and deep understanding of the purpose of why we are to walk together in unity. And so many families, once again, they are falling apart because people are self-absorbed. We got to get out of that. A lot of uh, in the workplace. People don't know how to be collaborative. Some people want to say, I want to rule everything. I want to make up all the ideas. 
Come on, sweetheart. You not one person. God wouldn't have put over seven million, seven billion people on this earth if one person could do every and anything. It doesn't work like that. Jesus Himself, when He came into this earth and when He started His ministerial works, He He selected twelve to walk with Him. He selected twelve men to come and follow Me. Why? Because we need teams. We you think of look at any person that you see shining on the screen, any ministry that's up and popping large, this that and the other, they have a team working behind them to make sure that that machine keeps working and keeps moving. When people are self-absorbed, when people are into their feelings, they'll pull back. Oh, I, oh she, who she thinks she is or who you think he is. And this, that, instead of saying, nope, I can't think about this person. This person may have been upset this morning, didn't say hello this morning, but I've seen them do a hundred good things. I've seen them come up with a, 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 a several different ideas that helped us to move forward. And now I'm going to get upset and pull back just because this person had a bad moment. You're being self-absorbed. And see, these are the things that causes for us to falter. Remember the word says the small foxes destroy the vine. These little uh, small self-absorbed individualized, all about me type of thinking can destroy the entire vine. We got to come up out of that. Come on, we're going to learn about it today. God's going to deliver some of us. God's going to set a lot of us free. We're going to go better into our workplaces, working with people better. We're going to go better into our churches, but being in unison and being on a court as to what's happening. We're going to go back into our families and what the enemy tried to, to sever and destroy. We're going to come and we're going to be the repairers of the breach. That's what's going to happen after tonight's Bible study lesson. So if you have an opportunity, if you haven't done it already, click the like button, share this broadcast, be the social media evangelist that you've been called to be to let somebody else hear to get a word on tonight so that once again, they can go from glory to glory. So we are in a world that tells us our automatic self is our only authority. And we, and we, we forget that God is in control. Yes, he is. God, I love the way God operates because he's, he's, he's sovereign, yet he's gentle and he'll give directions. If you have an ear to hear and you want to heed to the voice of God and follow his, his concept and precepts, he will lead you in the direction. Sometimes we may not understand it. It may feel uncomfortable, but when we follow what the Lord has given us to do, he never leads us wrong. He always leads us in a path that's going to get us to a better place. He always leads us down a path that's going to get us to the promised land. He always leads us down a path that is full of blessings. Yes, we may have some hardships. Yes, we may have some rocks that we may have to climb over. Sometimes we may even hit our foot against the stone, but he has angels that will come right there to pick us up so that we can continue to travel on that path to get to where he wants us to be, which is always a better place. Think about how God has brought you over down through the courses of the years. He's always brought you to a better place. Sometimes you had to sit sometimes like Jonah in the belly of the well, because when we're in the belly of the well, the majority of the time is because we did something where and we did not adhere to the word that the Lord gave us. And so he had to arrest us in our spirit, captivate us some kind of way to get our attention and our minds turned back to his, his voice to hear him. And sometimes, yeah, we go through those things like that, but what? 
When it was time, when, when Jonah got in the right frame of mind and he said, you know what? I'm wrong. I was disobedient. I need to, Lord, come on, deliver me out of this thing. What happened? He, the, the well spewed, spewed him out and he was able to go forth and do what God called him to do. So we have to take these things into consideration. Jonah was self-absorbed. Jonah was all about himself. He didn't care about the Ninevites and them being souls. And them being uh, given the opportunity that they also can receive deliverance and salvation. He thought it was just for the Jew and not for anybody outside uh, of, of the Israelites. No, it was for everybody. God gave his son, Jesus Christ. He gave him to the world so that no one would be lost to the entire world. So we can't get selfish in our salvation and think, oh, the, this is just for me. The blessing is just for me. No, salvation is a gift that keeps on giving. So we're going to talk about this. Let's move into it. Number one, these are five ways to avoid self-serving worship so that you can grow stronger in your faith. And always making sure that you are honoring your heavenly father. That's what it's all about. People want to get into this place where they feel like they've arrived and they've done everything on their own. The devil is a liar. If it wasn't for the grace of God, always remember his mercies are new every morning. And if it wasn't for his grace, where would I be? That's what you got to constantly say to yourself. Where would I be if it wasn't for the Lord on my side? So we're going to talk about those five ways to avoid avoid self-serving worship so that our faith is increased and we always remember to honor our heavenly father. We Number one, focus more on the truth of who God is and less on how you feel. When you get caught up in your feelings, your feelings are connected to your flesh. And if you don't allow for yourself to calm down and think things through before you react, your feelings will always get you in a mess. Sometimes our feelings will make us say things that we shouldn't say. And once words come out of our mouth, we can never take them back. And you, we can offend somebody. Our emotions can make us become angry. And there's nothing wrong with getting angry. But the word says, be angry and sin not. Some people get angry and then they start doing sinful things. Why do we see people murdering their spouses, murdering their children? They got angry murdering a co-worker. They got angry and they didn't calm down and they didn't get their emotions together wherein they were led by the spirit and they did something that was simple and inappropriate to mankind. So when we worship, if it's an emotional experience we're after, if we expect to be wowed by the sermon or by the preacher, moved by the music, we're focused on the wrong thing. That's no reason for us to go to church. I asked one time a question I said, what is it that, you know, attracts people to come to church? And somebody said the music. Somebody said the preacher. Somebody, you know what? Those things, I'm not, I'm not taking away from any of those things. But you know, in the upper room, it never mentioned anything of that nature. It said that they were on one accord. When you are a part of a body of Christ, whatever ministry are you are in, you should be excited, excited to connect with the group that God assigned you to be with as far as ministry is concerned. See, because when you get together on one accord, that is where the presence of the Lord is. Why? Because whether the two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. See, the word is the word and you can't take away from it and you cannot subtract from it. You cannot not add anything extra to it. The word is simply the word. So therefore, those things are not to take your attention or to wow you. Your, your expectation 
or your mindset should be on, Lord, this is where you called me to meet you. This is where you called me to set aside that holy time to be with you and to dwell amongst others who have the same spirit being on one accord, the same like-mindedness to want to worship you in spirit and truth. I don't care if a drum doesn't hit a cymbal or, or, or beat a beat or if there's no choir singing. When the saints of God to get, get together, they should know how to automatically glow go into a high worship, praising the Lord in spirit and in truth, giving him honor and giving him glory, knowing that when we do that collectively together on one accord, we are enhancing the presence of the Lord to dwell amongst us. Don't be awed by someone because they can hoop and they can holler. Don't be awed by someone because they have a church and they got a praise team. They got a choir. Those things I'm not taking away from them, but that is not the intention and that is not the focus when we move into a place of worshiping our Lord and Savior. When we come into those places, it's our spirit. Our spirit man, you should always already be in a, a mind frame of worship when you enter your church doors. You should be able to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm entering into his presence with thanksgiving and with praise, with a, with a shout, with a, with my hands lifted up, with my, my heart ready, ready to be in that mindset of worship. That's what's coming when we come together on our holy days. That's what it's all about. It's not convocation. It's not about how much you paying a speaker, a, a, a speaker that's going to draw a, a crowd. That's not what convocation is about. Holy assemblies. The, that is not what holy assemblies are about. Solemn assembly. It's about making sure that you know that you're coming together to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. The moment that we begin to allow for us to, 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 to shift in our minds, to understand why we come together, why we fret not ourselves amongst the brethren. That's when we allow for the Holy Spirit to have his way. That's when we allow for a mighty move of God to come in and encompass us. That's when the church multiplies. We've gotten away from the things of God as they have been intended to be. And we're focusing on, on other things. Don't, I don't, I don't want anybody saying, but what about the Levites? And what about the same? I didn't say anything was wrong with it. I said your focus, if your focus is on that and your focus is not on the presence of God and worshiping God, you are being moved by emotions. And our emotions is not what allows for God to do a move in our lives. Our emotions are designed to inform us. But when we are, uh, when we separate, when we're separated from the spirit, they will lead us to act according to the flesh. That's why you have to make sure that your emotions are led by the Holy Spirit. You got to get your more. I'm angry, Lord. I'm excited, Lord. You have people, and I'm going to say it. Some people, they get excited and they, and they'll go to one of these, uh, uh, mega services and they'll clear out their whole bank account. We're not supposed to give out a compulsion. That's not, we know we're supposed to give out of the leading of the Holy Spirit. So you can get excited. Yeah. But say, Oh, Holy Spirit. No, now calm, calm down. And Holy Spirit, you leading God me. What do you want me to give? What offering do you want me? What, what donation do you want me? Be led by the Spirit, not by emotion. Somebody ain't going to like that, but that's okay. I'm going to preach the word anyway. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our emotions are there to inform us. We can, uh, if we're not careful, our emotions will cause us to act impulsively. 
make false assumptions and sabotage our ability to thrive. We don't want that to happen. So to avoid self-serving worship, focus on who God is by meditating on his unconditional love, his majesty, his sovereignty, his faithfulness. And these are the things that we should consider as we adopt to a posture of reverence and awe and worship. Our awe should be in worship, not in the music, not in the preacher. The awe is connecting and saying, why? See, preachers, pastors, they lead you to God. You know, you, you have a pastor sometimes sitting up praising the Lord all by themselves because the people is looking, oh, what, do they have a robe on today? Do they have a two-piece suit on today? Oh, how they style it here? No, 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 no. The pastor is there to tell you to enter into his presence. That's the whole purpose. A pastor leads you to focus on God, not on them. So if you go into church because, oh, such and such is in the house, this, that, and other, I understand we like certain people, this, that, and the other, but the focus should be on worshiping God. The same God who created the universe, rescued his people from slavery and raised Jesus from the dead. He knows you by name. Isaiah 43 and one, Isaiah 43 and one. It says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And see, when I see scriptures like that, I just go ahead. Now, like it says, Jacob, I'll go ahead and I'll place, replace my name. So I said, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Dawn, he who formed you, Dawn, do not fear. But I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That is the Lord speaking to his children personalize that scripture for yourself. Take that personal. So you know what? We have already been redeemed. We already have been, God knows us by name. He has called us in. He has, we are now a part of uh, uh, being called the, the sons and daughter. And he longs to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us who accept him, who honors him and reverence him. He doesn't need you yet. He chose you to be the focus of his love. Each and every one of us is the focus of God's love. The same God that enabled David to defeat Goliath, protected Daniel in the lion's den and restored all that was lost to Job is also working on all the good things for your life. Romans 8.28. You can trust them. What does Romans 8.28 says? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. It's all working together for our good. So we just have to trust, even like when things don't go our way, that's not a time to whimper. That's not a time to pout. Get them emotions under control and allow for the Holy Spirit to calm you down. You can trust that God's going to work. It said, according to his purpose, he's going to work all those things. All good is working according to his purpose and the will for your life. God desires for us to have the best in life. God desires for us to live life and live it abundantly. God loves you so much that he sent his only son here to the earth. He was subjected to pain, humiliated, tempted, betrayed, and all of that so that you can what? Become like him. He was set as an example. Before us. So through the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross, God sees you as a righteous and extends the gift of eternal life when you believe. From that moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit and you are empowered to break the chains of sin and claim victory 
over the enemy's lies, his selfish motives, and societal norms. You do not have to conform to this world. Once the Savior has set you free, you are free indeed. The Holy Spirit allows us to break those chains and fetters so that we can live life and freedom. No, people say, oh, it's hard being a believer because it's so many this, that you can't do. Let me tell you, honey, it's so many perks. It's so many perks in being a believer. There's so many things that are such great blessings and enhancements upon your life when you are a believer of the most high God. There is power in the name of Jesus. He's omnipotent. He is omnipresent and he's omnipotent. And he's worthy of all the honor and praise that is due to him. And we always have to remember in order for us to not be self-absorbing individuals, we have to fix our mind on who God is. And that's what we have to keep. That's where we have to center ourselves right there. Know who you serve. Know who God is and stay there. And this way we will worship in a way that glorifies him and not ourselves.